Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Caged In your weekly dose of Nick Cage, where I chart the career of Nicolas Cage through his filmography. Um, This week, I'll be talking about his first time outing with director Nick Powell, who he uh, reunited with in 2019 for the film Primal. But we're not here to talk about that, no. We're here to talk about Outcast, which sees Nicolas Cage team up with Hayden Christensen in this Crusader action-adventure movie. And this week I'll be joined by Bob and Joe of tonight with Bob and Joe. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation. It's sprawling. It goes all over the place. It's absolutely fun. Uh, Long-time listeners of the podcast will very much know Bob and Joe by now. Bob has very much become a part-time co-host on the podcast and Joe drops in every now and then and is always fun and insightful. So without further ado, get stuck in and listen to our chat about Outcast. drug addict tries to connect with his past while trying to do some good. That sounds good, right? Well, think again. This week, Nick Cage plays Galleon in Outcast, alongside Hayden Christensen. Remember him? I'm joined by 10th caged-in guest, Bob Turnbull. How are you, Bob? I'm very well, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing all well considered having to watch Outcast. Um, but <laughs> that's so harsh, man. Go on. However, I'm not just joined by Bob. Seeing as this is a poor representation of what the Middle Ages is really like, I'm also joined by a guest who was here for the last time we saw the Middle Ages painted in such a bizarre and frankly baffling way. Joe Gardner. How are you, Joe? Great to be here, Petros. I'm doing good, man. Um, yeah, you another crusading yeah. crusade. You seem to have become the resident crusade-like expert. It seems to be you're the, the man in the field when it comes to the crusades. 
I don't know how that's happened. I'm not sure if that's positive or negative, um, but it's true either way. I feel slightly like I'm dragging you through the dirt of Nicolas Cage's career because uh, th- this one is another. I-, I don't know. I don't know if it's a low point or. <laughs> I- I- I'm happy to say this because um, alongside this episode, I'll be uh, releasing an interview I did with the writer of this film. Who? Oh, wow! I- Incredible. Who I found because his Twitter bio was. I possibly wrote the worst Nicolas Cage film of all time. <laughs> oh God! And I just did a little search to 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 find out. Like I sometimes put into Twitter Nick Cage and see what comes up. And I, I saw that, and I was like, "Well, I've I've one hundred percent got to speak to this man." That's. I think he's being a little unfair on himself. I really think he's being a little unfair. The worst Nick Cage film. I don't know. I think. I think he can get trumped by that one. Um, I, yeah. I know for certain he's been trumped by that because there are worse Nick Cage films that I have seen. So, um, yeah, but same. Before we get into talking about Outcast, guys, I'll start with uh, Joe here and ask you a couple of questions. Um, I'll, ask, I'll ask you the first question, then we'll move over to Bob. And the, the, right. the first question is, if if Nick Cage... Like, well, he probably does. He probably dr- does drink, but like, what alcoholic beverage do you think Nick Cage would would have a, have a sip on? This is this is a close one to my heart, um, and I've I've got to say, I mean, I've been thinking about it. Um, well, he's drinking. He's drinking quite quite nice in this. I know we we're not talking about it, but I liked how he was drinking in this. So I would I would feed him mead wine. I would feed him some some homemade Loganberry mead wine. I think he'd love it from a tin cup. Oh, perfect! Yeah, a, a tankard, uh, an engraved yeah. an engraved tankard with a with a pyramid on it, with a, some type of engraving like he's got on his uh to, like he's got on his mausoleum. In, yeah, uh, pyramid on one side and a cross on the other, a Saint George's cross on the other. Absolutely fantastic. And what about yourself, Bob? What what would what would what what do you think that Cage would drink? First of all, you, you said before what Cage probably does drink, but we know that he definitely does drink. His his last marriage was was done while drunk, right? And I, I mean, and among other crazy stories involving alcohol and Cage. But anyway, what where I'd like to take him to drink, or is that what I'd like to give him to drink? What what what, what do you think he would drink? I think he'd drink ale from Bath, like like ale that's made not in a bath, but in the place that's called Bath. <laughs> and I would serve him that because I'd know he would like that. He wants like strong, warm, tepid British ale. Perfect. And where would you like to, yeah, where would you like to take Cage for a drink? If you could take him anywhere in the world, where would you Origi- like to take him? Originally, I was going to say that I wanted to take him to Walkabout, which is that Australian themed like bar. Um, <laughs> I and thought we could like eat some, we could eat some kangaroo meat together and and drink some warm ale. But actually, I changed my mind. I would take him to the Weatherspoons in Exeter um, because it's got a really lovely window. Lovely, lovely. And yeah, Bob's been talking about this uh, Weatherspoons. It's uh, called the Imperial, and it has a a huge. Um, I think Bob actually had this Weatherspoons cut out from a Weatherspoons magazine and placed on his wall. Uh, 
a few years ago. I think there's a sort of montage of all of his favourite Weatherspoons. Um, where would I take him? I'd take him across the road um, to a pub called The Swordfish, a fisherman's pub. Um, I, he, I, and I'd feed him the, the mead there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, right on the edge of England. I think he'd enjoy the boats and I think he'd enjoy the, the sort of rough atmosphere. Perfect. And they'd love him. Well, to the point of the weather spoons, have you, have you guys ever seen that there is a, uh, a book that is a collection of weather spoons carpets that like... Oh, yeah. I, I think I can't remember if you told me this. I need that book. That's a great fucking book, man. Perfect. So I guess we need to chew at the fat of uh, the main act, which is talking about Outcast. So um, yeah. what were your initial impressions? Well, initially, what just like you mean, like from after finishing it, or the like first time it started, like first ten minutes. You just initial impression, yeah, yeah, just going in, like what you like. Oh, well, at, f- at first, I did think this is a lot like that other Nicolas Cage um, uh, Crusader film, but actually, the first thing I thought was Hayden Christensen's uh, hair looked like Jack Grealish from Aston Villa, and all of his mates looked like football players. <laughs> um, but I did immediately realise that the action is way more stylish and kind of gritty than in the other Nicolas Cage Crusader film. Yeah, I've got to say, I think this, um, I immediately, because I didn't even know what the film was going to be about. I, I hadn't looked up or seen a trailer. And it, when it started and it was Crusaders, I thought, oh, fuck, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I thought it was, but at the same time, I, I felt immediately pleasantly surprised because I thought, this is way better. This seems like it's going to be way better than the last crusading cage film I saw. I, the the colour grading was quite beautiful, I thought. I thought, hold on a minute. This is actually quite nice. Well, yeah, it's got this kind of like oversat. It's got like an oversaturation to the colour palette, right? From the... Exactly. And also, some some shots almost look like they were like shot by like Terence Malick. Like Joe was saying, they're like these point of view, like close up shots of reeds and grass. And then and then you've also got just beautiful shots of like mountains and deserts, and just like almost all the locations are really well chosen and really well depicted, like richly detailed. Well, one of the like f- funny things though that that comes up first of all on the screen is it says like the Middle East, twelfth century. So we don't have like <laughs> yeah. an, an exact like pinpoint on time. We don't have like, do you know what I mean? Like when that, like 1177 or, do you know what I mean? We have no. Uh, no, exactly. And then later on, when we finally go to the other location, it goes the Far East. Three it just years doesn't... later. Yeah, it says the Far yeah. East three years later. And it's like, well, we have no time stamp on when we were initially set. So. It says the 12th century, so are we in the 13th century now? Like three years yeah. later? Oh, I don't know. Were we on the were we on the cusp of 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 of, of, of a new century? I don't. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, it's interesting because I really did like the first 10 minutes. I thought, is this the exact same movie? Is Cage taken the exact same movie with different actors? Because immediately it gets into him as with. I mean, I'm going to be having to compare these two Crusader films. I think you know, there's no other way to go about it for me it's sort of it's like the last cage film to this cage film they were the last these are the last two cage films i've seen so it's yeah it's got these because it's got the same kind of you're here 
and it's medieval time or it's far east. And I remember the other one was made up names that was like sort of Estonian. And then with this one, it's like immediately he's going, we, well, what are we doing here as crusaders? And I thought, this is the same movie. <laughs> yeah, but with football players. Well, yeah, and the the other the other Crusader film we we're talking about, of course, is Season of the Witch, where where instead of Hayden Christensen, which like I have no idea what he has done between the years of doing the the prequel trilogy for Star Wars and this, he's kind of like apart from there's like only the Jumper, yeah, Jumper. That's what I'm saying. the movie that's named after a fleece. That's the yeah. only one I know of him doing. Yeah, so it's it's, and he's he's got this bizarre haircut, which I can only like describe as if you don't get the football reference, it's just this kind of like horrible like mullet faux hawk. <laughs> and also, he's got a permanent scowl that never leaves him throughout the entire film. He never stops scowling. He's he's drunk scowling or he's angry scowling. Well, we do have uh, Nicolas Cage uh, immediately with a nice growl, though, don't we? We do have him coming in immediately with a bit of ragey. So well, I was pretty, pretty chuffed about that. Well, the thing is, this film, like, we should probably say off the bat that this film is just bookended with Cage. Like, we have a whole, yeah. we have a whole chunk in the middle that is sans Cage. It's, it's kind of like... Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pleasure when we when he comes back into it. You're like, oh, thank Christ, <laughs> you know, thank whichever Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. I've got to say, I can't remember what his accent was like in Season of the Witch, but I'm pretty sure he just sounded like Cage, didn't he? Well, he yeah. Just... The the accent he does in this. This is one of my notes. Is what accent is Cage doing? <laughs> he starts at first i was like right this is scottish he's scottish he's he, this is a scottish thing and then i was wondering if cage felt from the sort of trying to react to christianson's is it christianson or christian christianson christianson scottish i thought cage went well i'll do a bit of scottish and then dropped it immediately and then went back to cage a bit american all in one sentence well, this is a very interesting production because this is like a co-like uh, Chinese production. So yeah, the company is called Yunnan, the Yunnan Film Group. Yeah, so we have this like we have this story essentially that is anchored upon this thing of a like uh, Chinese royal family with the elderly king like uh, close to death. And he decides his successor will be his younger son as opposed to the older, brash, kind of warrior son. And then yeah, yeah. that causes friction with the older son killing the king and then kind of... Isn't, putting... that, is it, isn't that the plot to Gladiator? But except Maximus is like a little boy in that sense. Well, there's it, also a, there's also a few other sort of gladiator because it it feels a bit gladiatorish and it's like oversaturations of the you know the Maximus, right? There was well, the music, yeah. The what's really the interesting you saying about Gladiator? So the director Nick Powell um, has so many credits on uh, IMDb, but not as a director has either 
second unit director miscellaneous crew or the one with the most credits is stunts so he has 122 oh, wow. credits as stunts and one of his miscellaneous credits like miscellaneous crew is on gladiator no way i mean there's got to be he must have been yeah something's <laughs> going on there that's ridiculous i love that man i love that you know you could you could feel the gladiator yeah, it's like he was just kind of like miscellaneous crew. I'm not sure what that means. Like he was like just knocking about on set. By the sounds of it, he was just taking notes going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, he's got a pair of <laughs> he's got a pair of binoculars. He's just watching and taking notes. Oh, if I, if I do a film, uh, he's just going over to see what I oh, <laughs> what, what are they doing over there? Yeah, well, I'll nick a bit of that. I'll nick a bit of this. Like, and it's really interesting. So speaking to the writer. He made a point that uh, this was supposed to be set in like the uh, in England. This was supposed to be kind of like oh right, like an old like medieval tale in 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 England. And um, the di- when the director got brought on board and kind of the studios got involved, and then like do you know what I mean? All the it name, all changed. It all, all changed. Name, yeah, yeah. Everything like and suddenly you got the funding from this this Asian company. Um, and uh, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I think that's one of the more interesting elements of it. I'm glad that it's not set in medieval England. I think that would have been a bit dull. Um, I think that's kind of we've had that before. I think it's actually quite the, the stuff is the, the stuff in the Far East is so slickly done. It's so sort of it looks good. It's well filmed. It's almost slightly boring, but it's never badly done. So I think yeah, it's I think that's one of the things that this film has on its side that it's got this kind of Oriental vibe. Well, the well, one of the things with that though is like this suffered a lot because this actually got banned in Hong Kong because um, oh no way they had an issue and I imagine like a lot of people, uh, especially like in in the times we're talking now, would have an issue with this. That this is a film that very much has a white savior. Like yeah, and, okay, and, yeah, and Hong Kong especially took umbrage to that. And, and also, and and he's a junkie as well, which uh, like I, I I really enjoyed that part when I when he started, I was getting a little bit bored, and then I liked this sort of, and I thought it was going to be caged. There's a scene where there's this white person with a big hat on, so you can't tell, and it starts cutting to his eyes and what he's seeing, and it looks, you know, it's it's all blurred and strange, and and he starts fighting like that drunk guy from Tekken. <laughs> really good and i was like actually this this is pretty cool I quite like this stuff christiansen yeah the other the other thing i really love in that scene is the fact that when the guards want to sort of you know humiliate him they can wee on command literally they just immediately start weeing and i thought i really respect an enemy that can just wee whenever he wants well i guess that yeah the, the the black guard as they're called like they they look like they are like run to like they're a ship shape organization they're not messing about a lot of the time like they they will they they look like they will do whatever they want at the like what well whatever their commander desires yeah drop of a hat so yeah we on a man now fucking do it yeah and i see what you mean about uh this because they're supposed to be you know the king's guard the emperor's guard or you know this is like the, the the man who runs the kingdom and it's his guard and you know, a whole bunch of them can get destroyed immediately by uh, a, essentially a smacked up sort of Scottish guy. 
and you're not really sure what's going on there. And I thought that was a, a little strange too. Well, it's just this. The, the, I, I guess it's the thing that like it is a it is a story predominantly set in what I would imagine like despite the very baffling title card of the Far East is China, right? Like, should we? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's um, talking of that though. Um, Nicholas Cage's hair actually looks, I mean, it's essentially at first a bad ponytail and then essentially a samurai's hair cut, you know, he's got the top knot and then long down the sides, which is sort of classically samurai, right? Well, we'll get on to the, yeah, well, well should, should we talk about the way that Cage looks at the end of this? Because my, my keynote for that is he looks like Lopan from um he's got like a little bit yeah. he looks very much like he, he looks very much like that actor as well and he's kind of like he's yeah. he's lost an eye so like he yeah and, and but like the he other does eye, look he's, awesome he's, though he's squinting so like and and then his voice yeah. again changes drastically by the end and it's yeah like, yeah it's something else again now it's like a drunken crazy budget that that really was my favourite stuff with Cage. When he does come back, as Joe was saying, it's just brilliant. He's rubbing a snake on his beard. So the snake was Cage's like caveat to doing the role. He was like, "No, at one at one oh, scene, wow. I, I've got to have the snake." Oh, it's brilliant! I love that snake. I just thought this is—it's also just—it's—it it's, almost feels like the role was was written specifically for Cage. It's that just like up his alley. You know, it's just, I just I loved all that stuff, and it and it makes everything else in the film look so horribly boring. Yeah, he's got this great bit when he first comes in, and he says, um, uh, "When he comes back, not when he first comes in," because as you said, he's there for a little bit, and then essentially we've got a movie without Cage, which is sort of upsetting, especially when you're going to talk about it on a Cage in podcast. I mean, you think, well. How, what are we going to say? Like, I, I watched a movie and saw him for two minutes, but luckily he comes back. And he says, what does he say? He says, uh, the, the, the black guard, as they call it, he goes, oh, the black guard, they're thick as flies around a goat's arse. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a sound bite if I've ever heard one. <laughs> You're lucky some... my wife likes you. <laughs> Get me my wine! <laughs> Great stuff, man. Well, Cage, like I was happy about that. Cage has got some like um brilliant light light lines in this, and you can tell they're probably like from the hip. Uh, like so he like right at the end, like he takes on a load of guards and like uh, mm. he just That's comes out with this line and he says like I see you woman like when he's oh, like yeah. when he's yeah, when he's in the throes really... of death. He's like, yeah, oh, I thought he said his that. De his dead wife. He's like, I see oh, you, woman. I was going to ask you if that's what he says because I was like, that can't have really been what he said. But that's a great, it's a great line, and it's you know, he really just he, all of that stuff in the end, that final battle scene with him versus all the guards. I mean, fuck, that well, the, Cage needed that. Well, there's like a really interesting character in Cage's character. So yeah, he's called Galleon, like to begin with, but then he gets known, like he kind of becomes this legend. In, in time so obviously we have this three years pass and in that time Cage's like character has become known as the white ghost which like is yeah. fantastic like I want I want to see a film just called the white ghost all about like yeah. Cage's character 
in this. Go just him together. really chewing, chewing the scenery. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a, like it was quite I, about that ICU woman line. I noticed quite early on with Christiansen, he when he when he gets the princess and decides to help the princess and her little brother escape the black guard and try and get them to the other generals so he can claim his rightful place as king. Um, there's a bit where, she, in the script, they've clearly put this bit in where she starts talking to him and saying, he says, oh, oh I'm sure a princess's life, oh, blah, 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 is poo-pooing her life because she's a princess. And she says, you know nothing of what it's like to be a woman. So there's like this statement in the script where whoever's written it or whatever they've written into it is said, let's make a point of this. Like this, this white guy, he's like saying all of this stuff. And she's saying, you know nothing of what it's like to be a woman. I thought, well, this is kind of a statement coming out here. And then, and then she says, you know, we have to, you, you boys will just run around and fight. And then we have to look after you when you come back from your folly. And, and then we have to, you know, we have to explain to our children why their fathers are dead. And then a little bit later, Christensen punches a woman straight in the face. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is yeah, a, a prostitute. Yeah, he punches a prostitute straight in the face. I was like, what is going on? Well, this is mixed messages, man. Like, well, I and think as well, that... the princess, sorry, the princess also says to him, Anna, if this is a, a successful mission, uh, you'll be uh, justly rewarded. Awful. I mean, I was like, they're not sure I, this is ridiculous now. Well, oh, I think yeah. I think this is like the problem with scripts that are kind of written by one person and then kind of like taken on and they're like, do you know what I mean? Like mm. someone on set and then like, from what I can imagine and like just looking, the 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 but the budget for this film, like, was it looks only, huge. Well, it looks huge, but it was ten million. Is is that cheap or is that expensive? Like that that that's cheap. That's cheap. Yeah, that that is that's a that is would that be called a micro budget in oh, oh, in Hollywood? Let me take that back. The budget for this is twenty five million, which still holy is, fuck is small. Right, wow. Considering, okay. Considering we have like we have films that are like a hundred million. Like you look at like of course, yeah. The, I mean, the only thing I can imagine if you've got all these huge armies, you've got to pay for all their armor, you've got to pay for all the extras. But the, also the cinematography and just arranging those locations, it looks fucking pricey. But the thing with that is, some of the like, uh, some of the money on that has got like, have got has gone off, gone on cage. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they kind of, like, yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like this could have been like, obviously, this is a Nicolas Cage podcast, but this could have been a really interesting story if it was kept as a kind of like a Chinese production. Do you know what I mean? Like this kind yeah, of... Yeah, like... Bob, Bob mentioned that. Yeah, and he mentioned also maybe they didn't have enough money to keep Cage in the movie for that long. And like, that's why he's only bookending it. I mean, what do you think? I mean, Well, we kind of get this weird like sequence in the middle as well. You talked about like Cage only bookending it. We get this... It's it's a very bizarre film in that we kind of like it alludes to other things. We get this kind of like um, flashback sequence. Yeah. Hayden Christensen, who for all intents and purposes has had the same haircut his whole life. <laughs> yeah. Like we see, we see him as a child and he's got the same haircut, but like <sighs> he's being taught by Cage. So like 
it, it's a bit big daddy isn't it he's like teaching him how to be a little yeah, or hero like, or like karate or like karate kid or like the free ninja sure man. yeah that kind right, of yeah like, that, those kind of like saturday afternoon films you would have watched like, yeah like it's, and it but the thing is like it it seems quite bizarre because like we don't really get a sense of where they're from even from that no no like, not at it, all they're just a placeless place well, nondescript it's like has cage always have they always lived in the kind of east to use yeah this kind well you of know another thing another thing that doesn't help with that petros and i i've seen this before in other films and i know like it's maybe a staple of like b movie kind of like kung fu films to have really bad dubbing but so many people were dubbed in this film there were there were there were lots of i what i assume sort of ch- chinese actors and actresses who were who were who were just speaking English, but many of them were being dubbed for some reason. And I thought it really took like just distracted me and took away from the atmosphere. Why not just have them speak in their actual native tongue and then subtitle it? Well, yeah, that, that, that's the problem. That, that, that's a bigger problem in cinema in general, isn't it? It's pandering. Right. Yes. And that's what this film seems like it's doing a lot of the time is pandering to a Western audience. And like mm, e- yeah. even even with that problem of the white savior, it cut it kind of draws back to that thing of pandering to Western audience. Where this could have been a like a a really decent film, and like that's not to say like one of the shining like things of this film like is Nicolas Cage. Like, and I'm not just I, I absolutely him. agree. W- without him, it I, the film would be it would be lacking in almost every way. Well, like, and there's like, yeah, to to draw upon other weird moments in this is there's this, uh, so there's a convoy that the prince, the princess and Hayden Christensen join. And all of a sudden I felt like I was being drawn into like uh, a a low budget, like um, live action remake of Aladdin. They all of a sudden go to Agrabah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it's very quick that change, isn't it? I, I'm not. There was no transition, and yeah, they're in this vast desert and camels and yeah, and yeah. Well, they they joined that bit was dubbed. That woman was dubbed in that part. Yeah, it's well, if not, it seemed like it. Yeah, yeah, she she was being dubbed totally. Uh, I think even the emperor was dubbed, but the the prince, the youngest, yeah, he was definitely yeah the. The prince was, um, he was sort of the, the most English accented in the entire film. The, the prince of the Chinese kingdom. Yeah. He was like, that was like a little Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> really weird, man. I know what you mean about those flashbacks. What I thought was going to happen d- during the half, before the flashback happened, I thought, oh, we're not going to see Cage at all. And it's just going to be flashback caging. I thought we were just going to be keep flashback, keep flashback. Well, sorry, Petros. One of my favourite uh, flashbacks in it, I think it's the first flashback you see, well, other than the initial bit, which is sort of a huge flashback. But when when Hayden Christensen is uh, in the reeds, he's looking into the reeds, suddenly the grass itself seems to turn into Nicolas Cage's face. And both me and Joe were cracking up. It's just like a slow transition from grass into cage. Well, that, that is what you want. That is like... It's moments like that that you... But, like, so when we get to Agrabah, we kind of have this, like, uh, plot device where the the 
well, their their covers blown like, and it's it was a very thinly veiled cover to begin with. Yeah. And, anyway, and, yeah, and, they're trying to like. There's no Trojan horse. They're just going in pretty much. But the 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 prince and the princess are, are sold out, and like uh, Hayden Christensen's given a bit more of like the opium to kind of like he, he goes all groggy, doesn't he? He, he, he yeah, passed yeah. Out. <laughs> it's like us on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're taken they're taken away and then like hey it's it's kind of a thing of like Hayden Christensen has to get them back and then we get this like mm. action sequence again that just reminded me of Aladdin. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like him yeah. kind of like jumping about, like bouncing off of like the 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 tops. Do you know what I mean like the the awnings on the, on the bazaar and kind of like. We yeah, can... sort of Prince of Persia as well. Yeah, like, yeah, we... it's got all of that. But can I just say, can I say, as ridiculous as some of that might look, I actually thought that a very gritty kind of Batman style combat of like guys' heads being like suddenly like necks being broken, arms being twisted, like all of that was really well choreographed and well done. And it's actually quite it's unusual that you see that kind of Batman Begins style constant combat, you know, outside of literally Batman. Well, I think that's where it comes down to Nick Powell's experience as a stunt coordinator. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, like, that's where this film kind of gets its panache and it's like oomph from is this kind of like these sequences of action, whereas it kind of lacks in like narr- like the narrative. like Yeah, the storytelling. The storytelling. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, if it had been that this was wall-to-wall action, like say, like yeah. a, a Mad Max Fury Road, like which is yeah, a, yeah, which is a very similar plot, getting from pl- like point A to point B. Point B, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it had been done like that, where it's like, no, they are gonna like it's gonna be relentless from point A to point B. They're gonna be under attack. It would have been like great. I don't give a fuck about the. I don't give a fuck about flashbacks. I don't give a fuck about yeah. All, all, yeah, you're right. All of this character development, which we get little of anyway. We don't. Re- although, like, although isn't this season of the witch that you're describing? But yeah, 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 yeah. Which is very bizarre, and I'd love to know why Nicolas Cage thought like after season of the witch that he'd be like, I don't know whether it's a case of oh that didn't do too well, I'll try again. But then like yeah. he looks like he's having loads of fun. Definitely. I mean, it's that snake that brought him in. Like you say, like, it, like he thought, okay, I like this because I thought that what had happened because yeah, I was thinking exactly like, why would Cage do another of the season of the witch? And I mean, this film for me is far better than season of the witch. Just, just for those fight scenes and just for Cage's pure, it, it really is a good performance from him. And it's great to see him like that. I think like he, he really likes it. And he's like, my wife, they cut out her tongue, you know, and, and he's got, you know, he's, he's kind of freaking out most of the time, which, which I, you know, I want that from Cage. I don't like his sort of quietness in Season of the Witch, and I like his sort of fierceness in this kind of thing, and he's like saying these mad things about goat's asses and, and like, you know, where's my wife? All this kind of stuff. I was like, this is really good. Yeah, I, I really like Nick in it, but there is something very strange about all of that plot line that I can't 
quite put it's it's just like it's just like what you're talking about i mean uh, there's no point in saying it again that, that it's it's loads of producers and loads of people coming in and just changing things all along the way yeah yeah they're just changing things all along the way they must have been like just ad-libbing lines and then saying oh also the the bit where um christiansen takes a sort of robin hood bow and arrow shot that goes sort of a bit tom and jerry it goes all the way over all the hills and then hits the guy on a horse who's running off with a, a peasant woman that he's trying to pillage i imagine and they save the the woman and she just carries on with them for the rest of the film saying nothing but she's there to the very end and i was like what what is this about and then at the very end she's not there and i thought what's happened what the, the these holes are insane well there's yeah. like a like we get the kind of like two thirds through the film well no it's not even that it's literally in the last quarter of the film all of a sudden we have this moment where Hayden Christensen's character and the princess like fall in love instantly and it's like they're kind yeah. of like outside like talking and it's like oh, they fall into each other's arms and have like a loving embrace and it's like well you're only doing this as on, like, watching it as like on what the, the filmmakers doing so it's like you're only doing this to kind of like do, like show us what is like, do you know what I mean? like make us feel yeah it's a strange of, yeah it's a strange is beat coming. isn't it yeah and it's yeah like, we didn't need this it's kind of like he's already got his arc that he is this kind of troubled guy who like and we do learn a bit about like him as a crusader when he's like back with cage because um cage has this like perception of him that he went into these like temples and he went into like people's houses and was killing mm -hmm. women yeah. and children and it, it it turns out that wasn't the case but like it could have been yeah like, it could have it, been the case it, because it's like, kind of confusing they were scared of what he could have done so they killed themselves anyway it's like so either way mm. you were yeah it's like, just it, well, at first, we were worried, I mean, without speaking too darkly, that they were really suggesting he did some really horrible shit. But then it's like, oh, we didn't really do that kind of horrible shit. But obviously, he was involved in it. So we're supposed to kind of not like him, but like him at the same time. But you don't really like him because he's Hayden Christensen anyway. Well, it's not just the fact that he's Hayden Christensen. It's the fact that like his character is <laughs> two-dimensional. It's like, it's not, it's not like... I, as anti-heroes go, if that if the anti-hero was played by Cage, we would have got some kind of like pizzazz to him. Do you know what I mean? We would have got some kind of character, whether it's like told in the story or just from the performance itself. Whereas like Hayden Christensen, we very much get this like IKEA furniture performance. <laughs> yeah. Do you know where it was? Where it was shot? Like. Uh, you know, by any chance, because I I don't. But we're, like, at one point where you're looking over these incredible mountains, and the characters, just everything in the background, we weren't sure if it was really good CGI or just a, an incredibly beautiful place. And it, there was so many moments in it where I thought, wow, like I would just, I would really love to be anywhere like that at any point in my life. But it's just so incredible. Really, really, it should be like a holiday advert, like a Trivago, like visit this place 
kind of advert with like Cage guiding you as a one-eyed kind of come on holiday, you fucking goat face fuck. <laughs> yeah, totally. I loved it. And also, also, I mean, again, I did Christensen. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I don't even know if I remember him from the Star Wars films. He seemed recognisable, but that's again because I thought he was a football player. It's kind of like, you know, he could he could have been any sort of mid twenty year old football player. And I don't know. I think I think that is one of the best things of this film is that its colour grading was brilliant and its locations were fantastic. Its fight scenes were were really good. I thought they were really good. A couple of times, I was like, "Whoa, nice!" And I thought, I've, "I'm not watching enough fighting film." Is that I don't even like action that much, and I liked some of this action, so I think that says a lot. Yeah, exactly. Same. I mean, same here. Well, to the point of where this was shot. So it was shot in Beijing, Yunnan, and Boding, China. So it's all it's all filmed in China. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, you know, I. I'd love to. I'd love to go and see those places with my, with my own tiny eyes. So I guess a part of like the reason for Cage doing this is, oh, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, uh, lovely holiday to China. <laughs> as we as we know, Cage does lo- love Asian women, so perhaps that was a nice holiday uh, bonus as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps we'll have to um, we'll have to ask his sons. I I imagine. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So I know. Uh, so IMDb trivia here. This is very uh, lax on trivia. Uh, the only the only piece of trivia on there, apart from the fact that this was banned in Hong Kong, is that Hayden Christensen sprained his ankle twice whilst filming this. Film. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like a nothing bit of trivia, isn't it? Does that mean he was doing his own stunts? It seems that no. no. Or, or you can you can sprain your ankle pretty easily. He was just know. on his way to the canteen, like you know, just tripped over on a sausage. Yeah, or like, like... <laughs> dismantling a horse. Do you know what I mean? Couldn't get his couldn't get his foot out of the the stirrups in time. Just twisted it a bit, sprained an ankle. Like as we as 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 we said, like Hayden Christensen hasn't really been doing much in regards to films um well yeah. we say that like let's have let, let's have a look shall we at what hayden yeah. christensen has been doing in the times between star wars which oh yeah 2005 and two, 2008 was jumper which is the last recorded one song <laughs> so he has he hasn't done much Mm, yeah well i suppose it's a hard act to follow isn't it when you're the kind of poster child of the star wars films i mean you, you can't really where do you go from there you're sort of like people only know you for this one thing and it's like you know you know they didn't really want you in anything else unless you're like you and mcgregor and you kind of pre-existed as another was it what do you call it a a, a scottish smackhead yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is sort of what I thought they were trying to make him out to be at some point. But you know, well, well, it's that thing as well that like it's not even the fact that like he's just typecast or like known for being Anakin Skywalker. It's the fact that like, oh no way, he was. Is that who he was? I I know. <laughs> no way. 
Yeah, I've it, just put that together. <laughs> in, in episodes two and three, he's Anakin Skywalker. So, Jeez, man, that's blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like when you were saying he's a guy from Star Wars, I was like, oh, I must not have seen that. I thought he was like the, the dwarf in the little bear costume. <laughs> oh, man. I, I kind of feel, I feel for him now. I feel for him. Well, it's the fact that he just... He was pretty wooden in those, and like he's got a lot of criticism for, sure. for his performance in those films. Well, to be fair, there aren't that many people in it who aren't wooden. I mean, especially in the new ones. I mean, the old ones, obviously, there's some some strong performances, but like really, come on. I mean, no one was good in that. I mean, it's like Jar Jar Binks world, isn't it? I mean, it can't be good. You know, no one's doing their best. You know. Well, so yeah, the best thing about it was Pod Racer, the game, the arcade game. <laughs> I love that. So I guess before we get too far off track, well, I, I I could happily talk about pod racing all all night. And uh, is it well, who, who's that guy who speaks like that? He's like Anakin, Anakin. Oh, oh yeah. Is it Guido or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> oh, what you're talking about the little alien guy who's also got the goggles. Yeah, oh yeah, like, I love hey, that. Guy. Yeah, he's like kind of like, I don't know, like he's like a pit. Yeah, I loved it. I used to play that. I used to play that guy in the game. That was Perf. like my dude. Perf. So, so when, so yeah, let's talk about the ending of this film, which is just like a ten-minute bloodbath, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it's actually kind of a strong ending. That all the fighting stuff is really strong, like Cage getting sort of quite symbolically and literally sort of shish kebobbed by by five different dudes um, while he's kind of still continuing to fight, finally collapsing, and there's bombs in the cave and it's all kinds of mad shit like that. But the actual very last bit where you've got the graves and and then you see like everything's going well with like China, um, Cage is dead, and then you, you're not really sure, like Joe was saying, you're not really sure, is this the afterlife or not? Like, did Hayden die? Yeah, that's, we were wondering if that was another gladiator reference of Hayden's dead and now, because we do see him sort of trot off on a horse, but that's after she's, and it looks like that he's died. Well, and yeah, because he the, gets stabbed. The princess he, has. He gets stabbed, doesn't he? He gets stabbed yeah. by, by the, by the, um, the, the like warrior prince who's not happy. Yeah, the older him. brother. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Weird. He gets, and it's that ending is confusing. It's like I was in the same boat. It's like, is he dead or or did he go like I could have this life with her, but like the culture wouldn't understand. She's a princess. She must marry. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the like culturally must yeah. marry. Uh, another prince from another province or something like that like mm -hmm. I, I, yeah i can't do this or is there it... are, there are two graves next to each other yeah, there's yeah, yeah. two graves now it was that cage's character what was the character called the white ghost it was either was it cage's character and his wife's character that were the graves or was it cage and hayden because of course cage had brought him up and then was it Hayden sort of symbolically in the afterlife trotting away. It, it is, it, that's madly confusing. The more I think about it, the more confused I get. Yeah, yeah, it didn't have wounds, yeah. What do you, what, what do I? 
I don't know. And I guess that is the sign of just a kind of like a weak ending, isn't it? Like just like a film. Yeah, like, totally. If you're left at the end of a film and it's not even like a an interesting, ambiguous ending, like it's not like a David Lynch where at the end of it you're going, Whoa man, what did I just watch? It's more like, huh? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good to see that. That bit with Cage, though, is is actually brilliant. Like, when he's being sliced up all over the place and he's fighting very tough. In, in fact, at one point, I think just before his death, and he's just, he's quite literally got seven, like, like spears in him. And, like, he's there and he, he sort of goes for the sword of the older brother. And I think there's a little nod from the older brother as in to say, you, you too are a fine warrior. Yeah, just well, like, briefly. He has a great line as well when he's like being impaled, where he's like, "You want me blood? You want me blood?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this could be, you know, that could be like an excerpt from like the lighthouse, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's even it's even the pronunciation of it. It's like, "You want me blood? You want me blood?" <laughs> I, 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 I'm saying it like I'm some kind of like a dance hall like uh, MC do you know what I mean you want me blood you want me blood uh, I don't you like me that. lobster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but it is you know I actually like even at first I wasn't down with Cage's voice but as he gets into it by the end he did he did a great job of that kind of drunken slurring and making I actually kind of believed in his character a bit well, there's a bit where the boys sort of shooting arrows and Cage is getting drunk and he's like you know that, that gets rid of the demons or whatever, as long as you can keep them at bay. And he's like plugging this wine. I was really like, yeah, man, fuck. I love this character. <laughs> you know, you know, this guy's my idol. That's my medicine. Perfect. So <laughs> as we come to like the, the end of this, it, like, is there like a standout cage moment for both of you? Start with you, Joe. Yeah, I think, I think it's got to be, uh, the the where's my wine line, it's got to be that because I I loved getting back to that and he did where's my wine, <laughs> you know sucking pulling wine like a champion from a leather satchel, yeah rubbing a snake brilliant man like uh, that was great. I'll, I'll say just to be different to Joe because I probably would have said that as well. I'll 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 say the standout bit for me is at the very beginning when Hayden Christensen is going mental and killing all of these people in the in some kind of far distant land, um, and, and we and we see Cage strangely unharmed. No one's attacking him; just walking as if he's stoned, walking through the <laughs> battlefield, just staring at Christensen wherever he goes, and just like following him into places. That's my standout bit. What about you? What's yours? I, I I've got to say, it's the moment when he says he says about like the go, like a goat's fart. When he, he he says to Hayden Christensen, doesn't he? He says like, uh, he says like, uh, like I could hear that over a farting goat or something like that. He just kind of goes, yeah, a bit like, yeah, he goes extra Scottish on that moment. It's just like, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. His accent at that bit is it, he is going, he goes from sort of Scottish to an American doing an English accent, then back to Cage. And when he goes back to Cage, it's right. Well, it feels he, right. Yeah, it feels it feels a bit like he's doing a Chinese accent slightly in in points at the end as well, and it's like, whoa, like, it's, yeah. yeah, he's he's kind of yeah. 
But okay. I mean, it gives, it also it, it it allows it gives Cage the correct vehicle to to use his as you know as I think you've you've referred to him before as like this kind of Kabuki style um, wild performance acting thing. It gives him that vehicle, and you know the last film I saw with you, Petros, was that one about the gun. Uh, what's it called? Tokarev. Like Tokarev. And in that film, that's a good example of a movie where it's not the correct vehicle for Cage. He's not given enough moments to really be himself. And this was one where, even though it doesn't have as much Cage in it, it gives him the right number of moments to, to, to you know, freak out. Yeah, to like amp up and kind of Cage out, as it were. Um, which leads exactly, me yeah. perfectly to my three questions that I ask everyone at the end of these, uh, whilst watching these films is... Um, First of all, does Nick Cage have bad hair in this movie? I would say I would say by the judgment of other of other wigs in different Cage films, yes. Um, but at the same time, it's done in a better way than other Nicolas Cage wigs. But it is still a crazy wig. And like, secondly, I'll throw over to Joe for this one. Does he have a crazy voice? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place. It's like a roller coaster. Well, it, it, it's like an Indiana Jones map. You know, like those sequences in Indiana <laughs> Jones where we see like the the pinpoints on a map. That's what his voice yeah. is doing throughout this movie. It's like, oh, we're over here. No, uh, the plane's going over here. Yeah, he is. He has just got a um, he's got a Lonely Planet guide to the world open, just like flicking through and pointing at a page going, right, now I'm going to be doing this. Now I'm going to be doing that. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre and it's great. And, uh, well, back to you both on this one. Do we get any cage freakouts? And if so, what are they? I, I think there were just several moments. Uh, there are several moments where he seems to freak out, moments toward the end, moments in the middle. I mean, maybe not full as full on in some other films, but there are moments where he's kind of roaring and shouting and saying slightly unintelligible things. And yeah, you're, you're lucky my wife likes you. Where's the wine? So, you know, there are, they are these kind of miniature, but great freakouts. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And like you said, Petros, you know, you, yeah, thick as flies around a goat's arse or whatever it was, you know, you've got those two. I suppose maybe those two are the, it's not really, no, I suppose that's not a freak out, is it? There is a bit where he is kind of freaking out and he's just, he's shaking manically and just drinking, drinking the wine and talking to him about the boy's arrows. I don't know. Are they freak outs? Because they're not freak, freak outs like in comparison to cage freak outs, really. But I think at least he's on, say, you know, of a cageometer of 10, at least most of the time he's between a four and seven ish. You know. Yeah, he's, he's he's on a simmer. He's on a simmer throughout, as opposed to we never get <laughs> yeah. a, we never get a boil. I mean, I've got to say, just oh, sorry, this is maybe not not to answer any one of these specific questions, but this uh, was a film. You know, when when finally Cage comes back after that hiatus in the middle, when it, when you finally see him there in the dark with his snake, it reminded me exactly why I like Nicolas Cage. It just it just was like it just. Sort of some, I was like, yes, I was so excited to have him back. He, he was he was so brilliantly different from how he was in the beginning. And I just thought Cage, you know, is the only man for this job. Perfect. So, um, final question for this is: 
would you recommend people watch Outcast? I would say, yeah. I would say, yeah. And I would totally agree. I would say, yes. Yeah. Would I you... would say that. I would say, maybe just bear in mind that the middle won't have much of him. But again, like Bob said, it's kind of like a great travel show for some beautiful parts of China that you may never see anywhere else shot so beautifully. Perfect. So um, in regards to you guys and tonight with Bob and Joe and the Infinite Pub Crawl, where can people keep up to date with what you're doing and where can people find you? Uh, we, we've got we've got a YouTube. Uh, uh, I think it's just called it's just called Tonight with Bob and Joe. You can maybe find us in there. Infinite Pub Call can be found. Yeah, and also I think if you just Google Tonight with Bob and Joe, probably our podcast, our first season, probably comes up and you can listen to it somewhere along those lines. But we do have a new show on its way. And it, yeah, soon. It's it's not a podcast. It's like a vodcast. Is that what they call them? Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're sort of editing and working it out. Um, but yeah something to look forward to perfect and um yeah i will put every every means of how people can contact you guys and all the crazy things you're up to like that aren't your personal accounts uh obviously all, all <laughs> and no 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 give them my phone number Petros. Perfect. <laughs> tell them I'll to put, call me any time of night <laughs> i'll put that <laughs> especially in the if notes. they're lonely <laughs> <laughs> i'll put that in the show notes uh and I'll put it Bless on. I'll, I'll put it on pub toilets up and down the country. Oh, fantastic! Amazing. Um, Bob, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to be caged in with you. Both. Bless you, Petros. Take care, man. Yeah, love you, Petros. And there we have it, guys. My conversation with Bob and Joe about Outcast. And as they said, you can keep up to whatever bob and joe are doing on social media you can just type in on facebook tonight with bob and joe or go over to twitter which is tonight podcast they were lucky to get that handle i'll tell you that um so if you had any differing opinions to me bob and joe regarding outcast please get in touch on all the usual channels that's facebook twitter and instagram all at caged in pod or if you really want to chew my ear off about what you thought about it please write me an email which is caged in pod at gmail.com and for those of you who haven't heard maybe this is your first time listening or uh you just uh didn't listen to last week's one uh, until the 31st of august i'll be running a competition and you get two prizes with that which is a caged in and tim hornsby art print which is a nick cage as superman to commemorate the ill-fated and never released superman lives uh which is a comic book cover designed by tim that just looks amazing and i write on the back a unique Nicolas Cage quote and number them. You can buy one of those or you can win them in this competition. I'll tell you about how you can buy them after I've told you all about the competition. Uh, all you got to do is tell me what your favourite Nicolas Cage film and why. You can do that through all the channels I've told you, social media, email, or you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rate and review 
uh, with what your favourite Nicolas Cage role as is and why. And I will be picking either um, at random or whichever is my favourite. I'm still undecided. Uh, perfect. Yeah, if you want to buy one of those prints, if you don't fancy your chances of winning it, uh, you can do that. It's cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com. Uh, yeah, go over there. They're, they're pretty fun. Um, and all the money will be going to doing more weird and wonderful things over here at Caged In. Uh, there's a couple of like, omissions into this episode. So Bob and Joe mentioned... It, after we start uh, finished recording that i sounded like i was quite hard on the film in my intro uh yeah kind of but they haven't watched it twice they had just watched it so they had a difference of opinion on me uh my opinion on it is cage is great obviously and i think uh, you got that from the episode my only thing is that it's quite a forgettable film which is a real shame I think one of the real standouts in it is Nicolas Cage's performance. And uh, that's what makes this podcast a real joy to do. Um, So please, uh, if you're subscribed uh, at midday today, you will probably find something hitting your podcatcher or wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, um, Acast, Wherever, really, uh, you will see an interview I did with James Dormer, the writer of this very film. Uh, that will be with you at midday, or if you're listening in the future, that will already be there. That will be the next episode available to listen to. And next week's episode, I will be joined by the amazing Rich Wilson, the uh, godfather of talking about mental health in the most uh, palatable way possible and just a fantastic comedian and a fantastic bloke and we will be talking about the runner so if you want to watch that in uh, preparation for that episode that would be great and you can do that in the uk by going over to amazon prime or If you are listening and you live in the US, you can go over to Netflix to watch that one. Uh, Perfect. So, as always, I have been Petrus Petsilibus. I have been caged in. You have been amazing. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limerie, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.